The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Hello once again and welcome inside the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. I am the namesake. Happy to have you with us once again this week. This is a high school football podcast about what else? High school football in West Virginia. A lot to cover this week, so let's get right into recapping last week's action. Parkersburg South stayed perfect on the road against Morgantown, and that's a tough team. They're better than their 1-7 record indicates. Patriots were down 1 going into the 4th quarter, rallied to win 35-28. How about the big night from Devin Gaines on the ground? 23 carries, 214 yards, and 4 touchdowns for the Patriot running back. He carried an offense that really did not get a lot out of its passing game. Brandon Penn, 6-13 of for 77 yards, not what they're used to putting up. Dylan Day did catch a touchdown for Parkersburg South, but other than that, not really a lot to speak of for that Parkersburg South receiving game. The first game this year where they really have been shut down and where they didn't really perform to the level that we had seen, but they didn't need to when you had Gaines putting up 200 plus yards and four touchdowns. That's the value in having a big back like Gaines, who also happens to be a fast back and an athletic back. Gaines is agile. Gaines gets to the holes. Gaines has speed. And if you watch the video from his big 90-yard run, one of those four touchdown runs, he had speed for a while then ran out of gas because he was dragging people and pushing people out of the way and then got a couple of big blocks to help him finish that run but he's got the speed to get through holes I don't know that there's anybody that's more dangerous in turning a 10 yard run into a 15 20 25 yard run because he gets that burst of speed and then can drag people but Gaines is showing the value of having that big back that a lot of teams have and a lot of successful teams have a guy that's tough to stop and that can be helpful on nights where you've got other things that are being stopped look at Parkersburg Sound's schedule going home though the Patriots will have two of the last three games at the Erickson All Sports Facility, but they got a Greenbrier East team that comes in at 5-2. and two. Then they go to Wheeling Park, and they've got one of the better quarterbacks in the state in Alex Dunleavy, and then they'll host PHS, and anything can happen in that game. So they're 7-0 right now, but the road to perfection is not going to be an easy one for Parkersburg South as we wind on in this season. So they've got their work cut out for them. No slouch games, which I think is probably a good thing. It bodes well for them and their ability to stay focused. But at the same time, that also increases the chances that you're going to have that stumbling block somewhere on a night where maybe you don't have your best game and somebody else does, you can get picked off. And those are three very worthy, very willing candidates and very possible candidates to pick South off and in that perfect season. So we'll see how that plays out over the next few weeks. PHS prevailed in a game that they needed to win. They won a must-win game. They defeated Hurricane 42-28. to The connection of Bryson Singer to Braden Mason hooked up three times for touchdown passes. We really have not seen that a lot this year. Mason got a touchdown grab last week and then this past week, three catches. All told, Mason had six grabs for 157 yards. So if those two can find that chemistry, find that connection, that could go along with a newly healthy Anthony Craig in the running game. This, I've said it all year long, this is a PHS team that impresses me more each week than they did the week before, and that's the same here. I don't know that I've said it that way, but it's that's what's true. They get better. They continue to get better. Williamstown rallied from an early hole in their win against Tyler Consolidated. Tyler Consolidated got the first score late in the first quarter. Williamstown answered quickly. These two teams were tied at 16 midway through the second quarter before Williamstown shifted things into a higher gear. But still, this is the second straight week where Williamstown was challenged. Last week, it was Warren that took a lead into the fourth quarter against Williamstown, and now it's Tyler Consolidated that's batting around the Yellow Jackets. And there's been no bones about the fact that they've had some injuries. 
their down Jarrett Frazier, a guy that they expected to rely on. Ty Moore carrying a good bit more of the mail than he expected to, albeit doing a really good job of doing it. Moore with another monster game. Five touchdowns, 288 yards on 29 carries rushing the football. Mind you, he's maybe the second or third option even from what they expected to have this time last year. Because Donathan Taylor, who's now playing at Parkersburg South and had an interception last week, by the way, in his first game of the Patriots. He's not there. Frazier's hurt, so Moore has stepped up and really carried the load for that team. But still, because of the fact that it's been two tough ones, this team is battered with injuries. They've played now eight straight weeks, soon to be nine straight weeks. It makes you wonder if they are staggering to the finish line because their bye doesn't come into week 11. That's just been the way it's been for Williamstown in the last several years. A team that probably could use a week off to heal and they just don't have it until later in the season. they got a Parkersburg Catholic team that is very, very eager to get them and pick them off. We'll have more on that in just a second. Tyler Consolidator looks strong and they've been getting a passing game though to go along with that running game. Speaking of the Silver Knights, Gage Huffman hooked up or two touchdown passes to Jaden Helmick. Four catches for Helmick, so something other than Mark Rucker for defenses to key on. If they can do that and play the defense that they've been playing a little bit better of late, then they could be a team that wins a game or two in the playoffs. It wouldn't be out of the realm to see them in a quarterfinal round should they get into the playoffs, and it looks like they got a good chance to do that this year. 28 points, good work on the ground from Rucker once again. 250 yards and two touchdowns on 22 carries. He just keeps on going. So good work from Mark Rucker and the Tyler Consolidated Silver Knights despite that loss to Williamstown. Ritchie County continued their role. They look strong and formidable. The Rebels picked up 62 points in a 62-34 win against Webster County. A couple touchdown passes from Ethan Haught to Gus Morrison. Garrett Owens was able to run for two scores, as was Seth Hardy. Big day for Trey Moss, a touchdown run as part of a 149-yard day. He did that on just 11 carries. These Rebels racked up 462 yards. Maybe a little troublesome that they allowed 34 points and 349 yards themselves, so their defense slipped up a little bit, but this is not a bad Webster County team that they knocked off, but still 62 points. That's nothing to shake a stick at. Tough night for Marietta going up against an unbeaten in Ohio. New Philadelphia went to 8-0 with their 49-14 win against Marietta, with only one of Marietta's two scores coming in the first half when it was still a fairly close game at that point. Marietta was able to run the ball a little bit, 167 yards for the Tigers, and that's been a bit of a bugaboo for them in games where they've been defeated. When someone has shut them down, they've managed to shut down their run. I know Jason Chubb wanted to slow things down, wasn't able to get that done, but New Philadelphia, as he said, one of the best teams that he's ever gone up against as a head coach, and they showed why. They've got a lot of legitimate Division One talent, and they went out to a 42-7 lead of the half on their way to a 49-14 win over the Tigers. So Marietta at 4-4, four and four, they had two games left, and they're not going to be the easiest games if they want to go 500 to get a winning season, but it's out there for the Tigers if they play well the next two weeks, or one of the next two weeks. Frontier rolled, they moved to 7-1 and one with a 53-0 beat down of Valley. They had a pick six from Tanner Bills on defense. Three touchdown runs from Noah Barnhart. J.D. Schmidt with a touchdown pass to Logan Brookover. And another one to Caleb McQuarrie. So not a very deep team roster-wise, but a lot of guys that can score and get into the end zone. And the defense stepped it up against Frontier, limiting Frontier to just two first downs and 54 total yards of offense, almost all of those on the ground. So good work out of the Cougars. That really sets up a big showdown in Week 10 with River. River comes in at 4-4, four and four, and if they knock off Frontier, there's a shot they could get into the postseason. Frontier looking to qualify for the first time since 2004. And St. Mary's took care of business. They stuck together and managed to get a win over Magnus. 
averaging only a 40 to 6. Richard Dornan with a touchdown run, a couple touchdown runs, in fact. Brennan Boron threw two touchdown passes to Lucas Lipscomb and ran for a touchdown. It wasn't much of an opposition because Magnolia has had an, a rough go of things. They're 0-7 this season, and we've talked about Magnolia a little bit. We'll talk about them some more, in fact, here in a little while. But this has been a gritty season for the St. Mary's team. They've lost some difficult games. They've lost badly in some games where they've competed in the past, but they've looked good otherwise. And there's been some rumors of some discord on this season. Some people that maybe have stepped out of line a little bit more than St. Mary's is used to having in past seasons. But you have to give them credit. They've somehow managed to stick together enough to win football games and take care of business. And they continue to do so with their big win against Magnolia. They got a big win this week against South Harrison. So we'll see how they can handle that. Watch high school football live streamed to wherever you are. Don't miss the Moran Construction Game of the Week on 1455 Sports. Log on to 1455media.com slash live. That's the word 14 and the number 55 for great coverage of the area's biggest games. Join us this Friday as Parkersburg hosts Spring Mills. Kickoff from Stadium Field is set for 7.30 p.m. Log on to 1455media.com slash live. That's the word 14 and the number 55.com slash live. It's the Moran Construction Game of the Week on 1455 Sports. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Normally this is the part of the show where we take a look at the poll question for this week, but before we get into that, we got some other things to talk about first. There's some big news this week out of Class A. Curtis McGee, the quarterback at Wheeling Central, out for the season as a result of a knee injury suffered in the first half of their game against Martins Ferry last week. They lost that game. Now, Wheeling Central at 4-3, and three, that a lot of people think opens the door in Class A for other teams to step in. With McGee there, and Central expected to do well with McGee, a lot of people had penciled Central in to one of those two spots on Wheeling Island at the end of the season. I don't know that that was a premature thing to do, barring injury. But now that the injury has happened, it certainly does seem to bring things back into question a little bit more than maybe they were in August. Season started, we saw Wheeling Central easily handle Williamstown. Now, that's a good Williamstown team that's managed to reel off seven straight wins since then and hold every opponent to less than 100 yards rushing in that time. So for Wheeling Central, it's time to regroup around somebody new. And Mike Young, now with seven games down, has three games to get his team ready and where they need to be going into the playoffs. They can win and they can make it to the state championship and win a state championship from any seed. They just got to get into the top 16. It doesn't phase them to not play home games. They played a home game last year in the first round at Brook High School. So two weeks of the playoffs last year, Bishop Schmidt Field wasn't available because of something Wheeling Jesuit was hosting. I want to say it was an NCAA volleyball tournament. So it doesn't phase them to go play at Wheeling Island Stadium. It doesn't phase them to go play at Brook or anywhere else they want to play. But I think a lot of people are prematurely ruling Wheeling Central out of the Class A title discussion. Not only can they still make it to Wheeling Island without Curtis McGee, but they can still win the whole thing without him. There is a lot of talent left there. If you move somebody around that isn't currently in the lineup and put them at quarterback and do something different, even if you do some kind of a wildcat look and just run the ball or throw the ball a little bit when you have to and use jet sweep looks to get your skill guys the ball, those are so good skill guys that you have to manage to scheme and stop some. Somehow. Easier said than done. I think there are too many people that are ruling Wheeling Central out a little prematurely because that's still a good team, and until you knock them off, easier said than done. 
I really like the tweet that Tyler Consolidated's Mark Rucker put out. He quote tweeted a Coalfields and Company tweet about how they'd heard rumors that McGee was out for the year. This is before McGee had tweeted himself that he was out for the season. Their tweet ended, Maroon Knights are still very talented, but Class A just got way more open, if all is true, which it is true. We have the confirmation now, and they are right. But one of the things that I liked is Tyler Consolidated's Mark Rucker tweeted, Sad thing that's bugging me is some people are going to read this and be talking about it tomorrow like it's great news. One big family in high school football, this is never good news. It could happen to anyone prayers up. And I think that's a really classy sentiment out of Mark Rucker because there are probably a lot of people that are going to get way too excited and way too jovial about the fact that a young man's high school football career is over because of a knee injury. There's somebody that's hurt out of this. And uh, regardless of whose team they're on, this is still a young person that's got a recovery ahead of him. And on behalf of this show, I certainly wish the best for Curtis McGee and, and hope that things work out. He's already committed to play at Brown. Uh, I hope everything goes well with that and he's able to do the things that he wants to do. You don't get the interest of Brown unless you're a pretty smart guy. So that's there for him and that's definitely something that he'll look to preserve and he'll look to do his best with. So certainly I wish my best for Curtis McGee and it's really cool to see Mark Rucker do that too because Tyler Consolida went up against Wheeling Central in the playoffs last year. So those two have competed against one another and there's probably a good deal of mutual respect there between those two, uh, Curtis McGee and Mark Rucker. So a really classy move out of Tyler Consolidated's Rucker. However, the fact remains that this does open the door in Class A because Central isn't quite the lock that they might have been earlier in the year. Not saying there's a guaranteed slot open, a seat at the table left essentially, but it certainly will be a, an easier, smoother, clearer road for somebody. So let's take a look at some of the biggest beneficiaries, at least we'll say. Some of the people that do stand to be in a better position to make it to the island. How about Williamstown? Uh, the Yellow Jackets have won seven straight since that Wheeling Central loss. They were the runners-up last year, and the only thing that's seemingly been in their way is Wheeling Central. And now if they're not as much in the way, could they be somebody to benefit from this? Very possibly. However, you have to ask questions about their health. they got two more games to get through in the regular season. They're going to make the playoffs, we know that much, but they have two games to get through and a week to rest up and heal up before going into that four-week tournament. So we'll see how they do with that, and we'll see if they're able to stay healthy and get through this remaining gauntlet as they go into the playoffs. Pendleton County, definitely a team that stands to benefit in Class A. They picked up a big win over Parkersburg Catholic, and Lance Binniger can tell you exactly what Pendleton County can do, and that's a good football team. That's a 26-20 to win against Parkersburg Catholic, so a good competition for both as they prep for the playoffs. Doddridge County, you have to look at this as a once-in-a-generation kind of team for Bobby Burnside. It's not just Hunter America. They have other weapons around America, and they have worked to develop those weapons and build that into a program. The idea is to try to get that team sustainable if you're Burnside. They can do this more than just every few years. They can keep churning quality players out and keep contending and keep having chances to make it to the playoffs and deep into the playoffs. So Doddridge County has a chance to go. And how about Ritchie County? Rick Hot's club is coming together nicely. Ethan Hot has played well at quarterback. He's connecting with Gus Morrison and they're building something there. And they have a loaded stable of backs in the backfield. So that's a team that's got a lot of offensive weapons. It's not really predicated around one guy. And not that Wheeling Central was, but McGee, a huge, huge loss in what he can do. But I think right there are four teams that stand to benefit a little bit. Either way, somebody is going to be standing on Wheeling Island at the end of the year that probably didn't expect to be there in Class A. Although Wheeling Central's not out of it, I think it certainly does open the door that we'll see somebody that we didn't quite expect to see. Anybody but Wheeling Central and Williamstown, I think, would be a shock to a lot of people. It would have been if you'd have told them that a week ago, two weeks ago. That's not the case now, so we'll see who makes it to Wheeling Island Stadium at Class A. 
Let's take a look at last week's poll question. We asked you last week, generally speaking, is there enough accountability for high school football coaches in the area? In other words, are coaches made to answer for their actions on and off the field, whatever those may be? Why or why not? We had 20 votes. 70% of you said yes. 30% of you said no. I'll read the comments we had. Brian Cox says, I agree that these coaches are role models for the youth of our area. The main focus of high school athletics is to teach kids how to be successful in life after school. I mean, how many actually go on to play college ball? Some do. All I'm saying is if you're coach, you should practice what you preach. If you're preaching to your players about being a good husband and family man in life, you should be living that life, not just preaching it. Just my opinion, though. Valid points, because you're right, the vast majority of high school student-athletes in any sport do not go on to play after high school. I don't think, in general, the purpose of high school athletics should be to prepare you for college athletics. I think the purpose of high school athletics should be to prepare you for adulthood. If you're good enough, you go on to play college athletics. You might have a chance to become a professional athlete, or you might just do this for a little longer and continue to develop and grow your skills and develop into a, a, a better adult and a more knowledgeable adult and a more mature adult because there are a lot of good lessons that you learn there. But the main crux of Brian's message is right. Coaches are role models for the young people of our area. A lot of times they have to do the roles of parents because more and more, as we know in our society, parents are not around. The opioid epidemic does not discriminate. There are a lot of grandparents and aunts and uncles raising kids. So where do some of those discipline gaps get filled? They get filled with high school coaches in every sport. A lot of high High school coaches go out of their way to look after somebody that they know doesn't have a lot of support at home. I would be willing to say most, maybe not all, but most high school coaches in any sport are willing to tell these student athletes that they love them. And that might be weird to some people, and I get that because they're not their biological children. But I think one thing that we need to back off and maybe evaluate or take a look at how we're thinking of this as a society is it really does take a village to raise a child. And I know that Hillary Clinton might not be the most popular person among our listening audience, and I'm not here to advocate one way or another for her politics, but that's something she wrote in a book a long time ago, and it's true. It, that is, it, to me, that's non-negotiable. It takes a lot of people to raise a child. And that's not an indicator in any way on anybody's parenting skills as to how many influences there are in a child's life. It's just how blessed your child was to have that many people that cared for your child, that were in your child's corner. I think maybe some good parents get too defensive over the idea that these coaches can be role models because for a lot of kids, they're closer to parents and closer to parental figures than some of their parents. At least they're more mature and they have their crap together in a lot of cases more than some of these kids' parents. The way I see it, like I said, Anybody that is willing to tell your child that they love them, I think is somebody special in your life and special in your child's life. And it's not an indicator of how good or bad you are as a parent. And I think people get caught up too much in their pride and take it as a personal blow or a personal affront when coaches are like that. And it's not the case. Coaches fill those gaps because they have to in a lot of kids. But for about all the kids that they coach, there's a lot of them that do try to be that moral compass, that role model, because let's face it, not every kid has that at home. That's with a coach serves. It's a role that continues to grow and expand, and as it does, I'm sure the scope on that role will expand too. But yeah, I think pretty much every coach would agree with what Brian said about how the focus of high school athletics is to teach kids how to be successful in life after school. You're maturing adults, you're mentoring adults, and that's something that's kind of universal. And that's what Rick Schulter says as well. They're leaders for the young men they coach, and you're right, Rick. Uh, these are men and women in coaching that make it their job, make it their career, make it their passion to advocate for young people. And like I said, the more 
more people that a young person can have in their corner, the better off they are. You never have too many adults in your corner, and sometimes uh, you need some of those folks to write reference letters to do things that your parents won't or can't do for you. So it's definitely a job that requires some accountability and begs of some accountability because to be in that position, first of all, it's a paid job, so you're accountable to the Board of Education and you're accountable to your school, but you are also accountable to all those parents as any leader of any activity is because you're taking that young person's time and energy to something that you're coordinating. So you're accountable to a lot of people, and in some cases, you're really accountable to the community too because you're representing a community institution, that high school team that people are proud to see, people want to see. You're relying on your community to sponsor them. Uh, you see businesses with, with signs and banners all up throughout the gyms and football fields and baseball fields and wherever, and then the programs. If you're going to take money from all those people and take money from ticket holders, then yeah, you're accountable to them too to put a good product on the field and to run a clean program. Make sure your kids are doing good in school. And I don't mean doing well grade-wise, you know, doing the right things, not getting into fights. Uh, not getting suspended, staying in school, those kind of things. You're responsible for that at some level, too. But these coaches devote endless time and energy to their programs, and not all get the respect that they deserve, which is a shame. And I'm looking at a situation like Magnolia. We've hinted around and talked about this a little bit on the air before, uh, and I'm not going to go into all the details over the Magnolia program because I've only heard a little bit of it and from one or two particular sides. But there are issues between Magnolia's head coach, Dave Chapman, and some of the former football parents and former football boosters. A lot of it springs from an incident that happened either last year or the year before. A lot of it springs from incidents that happened a couple years ago. Unfortunately, if you Google Dave Chapman Magnolia, one of the first things that comes up is a WTRF piece about parents who went to the Board of Education about Chapman. And this was a couple years after they won a state championship. So this is not far removed from a state championship. And this something we forget about 0-7 Magnolia is that they've won a state title within this decade with Chapman as the head coach. You talk about someone that does not get the, the leeway that he deserves. And I'm not going to speak on behalf of all the issues up there. There are a lot of them. There are a lot of different sides to that story. It's too complex and too nuanced to really get into. But there are two big things about that situation that rub me the wrong way that people need to remember. One, Dave Chapman is a Magnolia guy. And in perhaps the most parochial fan base in this area, that somehow gets forgotten. That somehow doesn't count for as much as it should. This is a fan base that you're either with them or you're against them. He's trying to do right by your kids by teaching them discipline and by teaching them how to stay accountable in a structured activity and parents continue to seem to want to let their kids get off the hook for stuff that he's trying to discipline them for. And he's trying to, to teach kids respect and, and teach kids time management and, and how to be good leaders on and off the field and how to be accountable. But the fact that he's a Magnolia guy and is kind of being left out on the clothesline that's definitely not being taken into consideration. And the other thing that people are forgetting or that they need to remember about Dave Chapman is that he and his wife are both long-time educators in this area, and they're also coaches. They both teach and they both coach. They've literally devoted their entire careers to mentoring children and, and, and young people in this area, trying to make them better adults, better teenagers, better citizens. I am not here to shoot down every accusation against Dave Chapman because I don't know the entire story. I'll freely admit that. I've heard more from him than I've heard from others about the story, about the things that have gone on up there in the last couple of years. I've known Dave Chapman a while. I had him in gym class in elementary school. He's remembered me coming up. I've covered his kids in games before. Um, by the way, he's got two terrific daughters. They're both good athletes and both good citizens. And somehow, that track record is being overshadowed by a he said, she said up at Magnolia that's really resulted in that football program crumbling apart. 
and going 0-7. They're overmatched, and they're not going to win any of the next three games. There's, there's zero chance they're going to. They're going to go get their clock clean by Tyler Consolidated tonight, and then if they're still around, they're going to go get their clock clean by Fort Fry, and they're going to do the same against Wheeling Central. They've got 15 people. They play hard, and they show up, and they work hard, but they're just overmatched. It's a shame that those problems off the field have allowed that proud program to erode to the point to where this is what they're looking at before we even go to Halloween weekend in the 2019 season. So that situation wasn't the entire impetus behind this, but it was a lot. You know, some, sometimes coaches get brought into question, but I, like I said, they're accountable to a lot of people. And by and large, I think they all acknowledge that and they all realize that they got to be good leaders and good citizens. And that by being good citizens, they can show the next generation how it's done. And I think by and large, these are people that have devoted lives to such endeavors and understand how and why, and, and they get it. So that was last week's poll question. We got a doozy of a poll question for you this week. We talked a little bit about Wheeling Central a minute ago, and they are the subject of this question. This week's poll, per his Twitter feed, Wheeling Central quarterback Curtis McGee said a knee injury suffered last Friday has prematurely ended his senior season. Based on that news, will Wheeling Central make a return trip to the Super 6? Why or why not? Yes or no? It's just a simple question. We'll see what happens. The poll ends on Monday, so vote on that. Like I said, I don't think you can count them out. I will say this. I'm not sure that I would put a yes down for that, but I also think that Wheeling Central will play games beyond Thanksgiving. That could be the, the semis. I think they're going to at least be a semifinal team this year. I don't know that I can send them to the Super 6 right now. We'll see how they come out without McGee and how they look, but I definitely think they're going to be a semifinal team this season. So we'll see how that comes to fruition. Let's take a look at our games of the week this week. St. Mary's and South Harrison, I think, is going to be a dogfight. South Harrison is 4-3. and three. St. Mary's is 5-2. and two. And South Harrison has a quality win to their name in Parkersburg Catholic. Uh, they fought tough in some other big games, too. And a strong finish gets them into the bottom part of the field of 16. So I think there's a lot on the line for them. St. Mary's with five wins and a remaining schedule that includes Ravenswood and Tyler Consolidated. All teams that want to get in, I think the Blue Devils are going to need to pick up wins when they can get them. And this one would be one that they would badly like to have. So... I think that's going to be a pretty tight game. Parkersburg South and Greenbrier East. This is going to be the biggest home challenge Parkersburg South has faced. They won on the road and faced tough challenges in their last two games against Huntington. And a Morgantown team that's got a deceptive record. They're better than their record indicates. But Greenbrier East is 5-2, and two and they're hungry, and they're ready to come in and prove that they belong in the playoffs and have their chance to state their case at Erickson All Sports Facility this Friday. And Williamstown, Parkersburg Catholic. Could this be the year that Parkersburg Catholic is able to slip by Williamstown, even though Parkersburg Catholic is coming in off a loss. They have found something in the use of Jeb Boyce, and they have found the ways to get him involved and get others involved around him. No longer is the game plan stop Jeb Boyce, you stop the team. It's try to find Jeb and, and where he's going to be and how you can stop him and how he's going to distribute the ball. It's maybe the most interchangeable offense in the area in, how, in terms of how they can use different players in different spots and still get good results. They maximize the talent and the skill that they've got, perhaps better than any team in the area. Between that and the fact that Williamstown's been hurt, uh, I think you have to take a strong look at Catholic. The problem is, it's hard to go against Terry Smith, because if there's anybody in this area that finds a way to get it done, it's Terry Smith and the Williamstown Yellow Jackets. So this may be the year for Parkersburg Catholic, but if it's not, don't be surprised. This is as much of a toss-up as this game's been in a long time. The Games of the Week on Seven Ranges Radio, Light Rock 93R has St. Mary's and South Harrison, 92.3 WXCR has Tyler Consolidated Magnolia, and V96.9 has that South Greenbrier East matchup. Coverage begins on all three of those stations Friday 
Friday at 6 with Countdown to Kickoff. Rate us and review us on iTunes. Download us there. Subscribe there. You can also listen on SoundCloud. That'll do it for us this week. Uh, when we come back next week, we'll be in the penultimate week of the regular season. Time is winding down on the 2019 high school football season. Thank you for listening once again. I am the namesake. Happy to have you with us on the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. And until next week, enjoy the games, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode. And thanks for listening.